Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. <laughs> Welcome to Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. The Girl in the Woods is a new Crypt TV series streaming on Peacock about a girl named Carrie who leaves a cult in rural Oregon that is formed around guarding this doorway in the woods, behind which lies the stuff of our worst nightmares. But this teenage tale of monsters and demons leaves us wondering whether the scariest monsters and demons are the ones outside or the ones inside. We've got characters dealing with the effects of physical violence and abuse, bullying, dealing with issues around sexual orientation and attraction and gender dysphoria, PTSD and grief, and really people taking it out on themselves, being their own demon. The central metaphor being a doorway to evil, Carrie going through the door is I think kind of symbolically us going inside ourselves. And like all the best horror, it becomes so much more than about the scares. And much to our delight, we get to talk about it with two people from the show itself, Misha Osherovich, series regular who plays Nolan on the show and co-executive producer Jasmine Johnson. Hey. Hello. Hi. Nice having you. So happy to be yeah. here. So um, working in horror is something you've both done previously um, in your prof- in your professional lives. And we're curious, what is your personal history with the genre? Are you guys movie uh, scary movie lovers or uh, do you have a fave if you are? And let's start with Jasmine. Ooh, me first. Okay. Um, that's a really interesting question for me because uh, I think working in horror people automatically assume that I grew up loving it. I would say like half of the writers and directors that I meet with on a daily basis will will tell me like some sort of crazy, horrific movie that they watched when they were three or five or I don't know, maybe you guys are like that, but I was the opposite. <laughs> My mother was so anti-horror to me back when like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video were a thing. Remember those? Um, Mm. I couldn't even go down. I could not go down the aisle because the the covers would scare me. I felt like I was doing something wrong if I even just went down that aisle. Like I was going to get in trouble with with my mom Um, because she was very much anti like scary stuff. Uh, And it wasn't until I got to be a bit older. I was in college when I watched The Descent, which if you haven't seen The Descent, Please watch this. Yes. Uh, it is so good. Thank you, yeah. Misha. Um, no one else co-signed that, and I'm a little annoyed because the descent is oh, great. So the- oh, <laughs> we love it. We, yeah, yeah. We we did a whole episode it's on it. Terrifying. <laughs> it's legitimately yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry cool, about cool, cool. that. Co-sign, okay, okay. co-sign, co-sign. <laughs> um, and for me, I don't even remember like why I was watching this and and why we were watching this in class, but. I had just grown up, obviously, feeling like horror was uh, the Antichrist or something and that it was really just about blood, guts and gore. But when I watched The Descent, that movie, first and foremost to me, was like so much so about the characters and about the dynamics between those women. Mm -hmm. And then you add in the creatures who I don't remember the exact 
minute the creatures come in, but it's not until like the last third of the movie. And it was just like the icing on the cake for me. I was like, wait, 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 wait. We had all this drama with these women, like really juicy character dramas. And now we have monsters and it just makes it so much better. And it was kind of like a mind blown moment for me. Um, And I didn't eventually get to start working in horror until probably like eight years later, but it sort of sparked my interest. So I'm a little behind when it comes to knowing all of the movies because I just got into the genre so late, which is why I'm like, hopefully I know the movie. And uh, I always ask uh, anyone I meet, like, tell me what you're watching because I just want to keep uh, uh, expanding and growing uh, all the things that I've seen. But I'm a full on, uh, I'm a full on fan and I'm so thankful that I get to work in the genre now. I mean, that's, that's what we do at Crypt. We make scary content and it's just been so much fun. Yeah, I mean, and also awesome. with the descent with that, you do kind of forget it's a scary movie. I mean, it's just like, because it's character drama. And then you're like, oh, wait, I forgot there's some vampire shits on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some good, like, jump, like, legitimately good jump scares that aren't just jump scares for the sake of jump scares, but that, like, propel the story forward. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, like, all of a sudden, <laughs> monsters come and it's so bloody and they're fighting each other. But even still, the character dynamics from before uh, are playing into, like, the stuff that's happening with the monsters. And I'm not here to toot uh, the descent. I'm here to toot uh, our own show, Girl in the Woods. But <laughs> I got to give a shout out to the movie that kind of got me into it all. So awesome. Um, and yeah, uh, Misha, the same yeah, question. Um, so I, I have a similar backstory in that I did not grow up loving or being allowed to watch horror. I had the conservative Russian parents. So like, I was watching like PBS Kids until I was like 12 years old because like they, would, they <laughs> wouldn't okay. let me watch anything else. Um, but no, the funny thing is, is I even into my adult life, like I love drama and that's kind of where I always felt like I saw myself and stories that I love in film and TV. But truly my first experience with horror was being in a horror film. I did Freaky a couple years ago and like that was I, I got thrown into the deep end, but what was kind of amazing about that experience is that both Chris Landon and Michael Kennedy, who co-wrote that film, and, you know, obviously a Blumhouse production, that everybody in that community, the especially the queer horror community, they love horror so much. And it's part of their daily celebration of art making because they love the history of horror and all of that. So I got just a crash course in what it meant to be part of the horror community through doing Freaky. And it was just kind of that plus everything more in with Girl in the Woods. So I'm kind of loving that it's baptism by fire for me. Like I'm learning about the horror world and the history of horror and the community by <laughs> being in it. <laughs> so that's kind of my backstory when it comes to horror. I mean, immersion therapy is not a bad way no, to go. No, <laughs> get thrown into the deep end. Why not? <laughs> Let's see. Um, Jasmine, I'm curious, with Girl in the Woods, it started off as a couple of short films. Could you talk to us a little bit about developing the short and then how that became the series streaming now on Peacock? <clears throat> For sure. Um, Girl in the Woods is based off of two short films, the first one being The Door in the Woods uh, and its follow-up sequel called The Girl in the Woods. And uh both of these shorts and the series hold such a super special place in my heart because The Door in the Woods was one of the first things I think I was maybe like two or three months into my job at Crypt. And it was one of my jobs at the time. We did a lot of short form content. Uh, and one of my jobs was just like to help generate 
shorts. Uh, find filmmakers, help come up with ideas, uh, come up with cool monsters. And this was the first time that I was doing something like this. I had come from very traditional development, traditional being like features and uh, hour-long television. I was at uh, Warner Brothers Studios, which is old school, you know, movie and TV making. And this was new school, very much so. And I kind of, uh, like Misha, was thrown into the deep end. And um, luckily, I think just in my time and my experience of being just working out here, I've sort of developed like a, you just got to figure it out sort of mentality. So I just reached out to like a bunch of filmmakers and just started like racking my brain around like, what could be cool? Like, what haven't they done? What haven't we seen? And the Door in the Woods uh, and the filmmaker Joey Green were one of the four, first filmmakers that uh, I spoke to. And I just really, really loved this project. And it started out as just uh, a, a basic idea, which is there's a door in the woods and it's a door to a monster dimension. And uh, someone's going to open that door because we as humans often will do things that we are told not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, you know, it really sort of developed out the colony and Carrie and the brute and all of that. Uh, and that short came out about eight months into me being a crypt. And it was the first one that I had brought in and it like exploded. It exploded something about I don't know if it was the concept or just how fun it is or just watching people get ripped to shreds by monsters. I'm not going to try and say like what it is that you got out of it. That's your own personal business. But I love that people got uh, something out of it because it really did. I think it's like one of our top five most watched shorts. Um, And so we made a sequel called The Girl in the Woods, which... um, I wanted to explore some deeper themes with Girl in the Woods. I really wanted to sort of focus in on Carrie and what Carrie may be holding, because Carrie really sort of is the one responsible in the short for uh, opening the door and it kills everybody in her colony. And so what does that look like? What is it? How does that make you feel when you're holding um, the weight of that guilt on your shoulders? And how do you move forward from that? Can you even move forward from that? Um, And that's what the sequel was based around. And then from there, the sequel also did well and uh, got the attention of um, networks and things like that. And we were able to then develop out the series and uh, once again, take uh, even more like larger uh, themes um, and just sort of uh, go deeper with the mythology and deeper with what it is that we wanted to talk about deeper when it comes to like, definitely like the characters that we're exploring. And I'm super excited with uh, the result that we have. Awesome. Um, Yeah, we... One of the things that Tommy had brought to my attention was uh, a show uh, that we had both recently watched, uh, a director that I really like, Nick Antosca. He just recently put out brand new Cherry Flavor and another show he had done, Channel Zero, The Dream Door. Um, and the theme, it, the, the doors usually symbolize um, a subconscious that the, the main character is trying to, is suppressing, but you know, that they want to let it manifest. So basically, this is directed to both of you. We'll start with Misha, but what do you think the door represents in this show? Sure. I mean, I've always liked about horror, and it's what I'm starting to learn to learn to love about it as an artist, both that's, you know, in horror, and now I'm writing some horror. So, like, it's... Ah, I'm, yes. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk, Jasper. We'll talk. Um, <laughs> but... 
I'm really loving that genre and genre films are a really good way to explore basic human emotions, desires, fears. And I think that our series does that tenfold. I'm really, I've all, I loved going to set every day because of course there's the demon makeup and the bodies and the gore and all that kind of stuff. But what we're exploring is kind of like we said at the top, it's internal demons. It's especially with teenagers, people that are finding their identity, people that are struggling with things like sexuality, their home life, school life. I, there's so many demons that I think we all, but you know, especially teenagers wrestle with. And the show does that so beautifully through the lens of a door to a monster dimension. And I think that's what, that's one of the things that actually excites me most about our show is that it's so human in spite of the fact that there's so many non-humans in the show. (laughs) I mean, that was like so perfectly said. I don't... I don't know how I can, uh, what else is there to say after that? But I will say that, you know, like Misha said, everyone, everyone wrestles with demons. Um, I don't care if you outwardly appear like you don't, you do. And one of the things that I love about this series, um, and Crypt tends to try and take this uh, lens when it comes to us developing scary content in general is that uh, you should be able to watch this show and get something out of it even if you don't like horror like Mm. i'll put my mom to the test with this one because she has to watch (laughs) it but like even my mom who doesn't like horror should be able to watch this show and really get something deep and meaningful out of it because to me the scariness uh and the horror should be the icing on the cake it's fun yeah that we have monsters and it's fun sometimes to come on set and like see uh, you know the production design and the arms thrown everywhere and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) But that is the fun of it. That's the icing. The cake here is in the characters and the development and the themes and what you can get out of it from uh, watching it. And the show... I think a good horror show or even a movie or whatever it is should be able to exist without the horror elements. And then you add that on top. If your content cannot exist without whatever the vampire or whatever it is, it's probably a loose and flimsy concept. And I don't think that you're going to reach as wide an audience as you could, because what it what is it that you're trying to say? That's yeah. so important. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do with Girl in the Woods. And that's kind of what I think we really responded to in that it was more, you know, you think you look at something like a girl walks home alone at night or something like that, where it's like, it's, it's scary. There's vampires, but also just like the vulnerability of being alone as a woman at night, but then she's a vampire. So she doesn't have the same type of scare. So it's like interesting to watch the social dynamic play on top of a, um, on top of a, a, the story, the scary story. And, you know, something that you both were saying that got me thinking about something else was that, you know, yes, the, the demons are very brutal, but the humans in the show can be very brutal to each other as well. And Misha, I was thinking about a couple of scenes that you did some of them were, I mean, you, you had a very intense performance. I got to say, I was so blown away. You were so good and so captivating in this. Misha is so fantastic in the show. Yes. So fantastic. Stop. I know the script. I've seen these episodes like 15 times. And even still, I get like emotional watching it. There, Thanks, I mean, y'all. And so how, I'm just curious, like how, who, because there is some, there's some like, physically and emotionally um, very, very intense scenes. And I'm curious how you prepare for those and what set is like when you shoot them. 
Sure. I, so, I mean, look, I'm a nerd and that's, that's, I will always say this. I say this to my friends because the running joke actually, when it comes to the comedy side of things is that I'm not categorically funny in real life. That's not a skill that I possess. And so my friends are genuinely surprised every time I like am cast in anything where I have to be funny. And it's, it's for me, it's homework. Like it's, and the same goes for drama. Like I really, I sat down with the scripts, I prepared, I did all the nerdy actor stuff, but more than anything, this set is was so remarkable in that everybody was there to yes have a good time and play in this amazing you know supernatural playground but whether it was Christian Ritter or Jacob Chase or two directors they set up an environment where I came in with all my homework I know as an you know I'm a non-binary individual and like I know what I would want to see on screen when it comes to things like gender identity and the struggle of gender identity and they let me play and set up all the guardrails, set up these beautiful scenes with these beautiful, you know, the rooms and the demons and all that stuff. But the set was safe. And the set was this family environment where everybody down to the crew um, was really there for the ride. And that's not something that as an actor, you often you don't often get that. Usually you're a cog in the machine. And that was not what I felt on this set. So basically all of my homework was honored. And that was kind of the gift that I think led us to this product that we're all so proud of is that everybody was really in it emotionally as well as professionally. Hmm. So um, was your character non-binary uh, before you were cast or was that later a decision? So uh, Nolan's struggle with gender identity was something that <clears throat> I was get, was given right off the bat um, when it comes to uh, the scripts that I read, the breakdown, the audition. But what was amazing all the way through the long audition process and talking to producers and talking to Kristen and even um, our amazing showrunner, Casey, um, who is also queer. And the conversation was ongoing and it, I felt so included in, you know, rewrites of the script and uh, being on set, dealing with how it was shot. Like this kid's struggle with gender identity was something that we all as a team wanted to make really authentic. And I, I think that, sure, I was given a description of the character, but I felt that I was both honored and a part of building this character. And that's, again, not something that you often get as an actor. So I felt really lucky no. through and through. No, that's very special. I was yeah. so moved by, I mean, there were so many things that you did that were so moving and that I felt so personally. And it reminded me of the importance of having representation um, on screen and having something like when, when Nolan sits at the, and, 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 and there were several times, but the, the, in the pilot, when Nolan sits at the mirror and, you know, is done, you know, talking with Tasha and they're like, they, you know, they, they're there to build each other up and they, you know, they have the FaceTime and then they sit at the, um, the mirror and wipe the makeup off. Like, I feel like there are so many times that I've been too scared to be myself when I left the home. And that is a real fear in this thing. That's a genre film that or a genre series that I thought was so cool and so important. And I think it's a, it's a milestone, not in that a genre, but also that this genre show has queer characters. They have non-binary characters and queer POC characters and actors and storylines. And I want to ask this question to the both of you, but I want to start with you, Jasmine. How important was authenticity and identity to you in this project and representation and all that? Um, it's extremely, extremely 
important. I think we, all of us talking right now, have experienced what it's like to grow up and not really feel like you have seen yourself accurately represented on screen. I don't want to get like, I've heard network executives and studio executives and producers be like, oh, but we have X character. And I'm like, mm, but is is that someone that we actually want to claim? Um, we don't know. Uh, and so, <laughs> very that, very that. <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, now that I am in a position that I take uh, with a lot of seriousness, I mean, we're making a lot of fun content, but I take it very seriously. Like, what are we putting out there? And I'm a woman, I am black, I am also queer, and I want to make sure that uh, going forward, people are authentically represented. And not only that, but that if you're telling a story about whoever it is, they need to have like a voice in telling that story. Like it's not about profiting off of other people's experiences, it's about including everyone in the conversation. And so with this story in particular, um, you know, we, we, talked to a variety of different writers and heard a variety of different pitches. And then when Casey came in with her amazing take, it was just, it was very clear that this was the direction that we needed to take the show. Um, but then when you start to even like boil it down uh, into particulars, like I remember after we had the scripts already written and Misha mentioned this, but Casey and Misha getting on a conversation, like I personally am queer, but I did not struggle with gender identity. So I can't speak to that. Casey is a trans woman, but she can't speak as authentically to coming to terms with being non-binary like Misha can. And it's just really important that you have the people in the space to have those conversations because Casey would come back to us and be like, oh, she would email us like these notes. Misha said this and Misha said that and feels like their character would actually do this. And even something like as small as like, what sort of memes uh, maybe the character would be looking at and it, the things that you just wouldn't think or wouldn't know if you don't have the authentic experience and it makes a difference. And the fact that we're only just now, and when I say we, I don't mean crit, but I mean the bigger we of like entertainment are only just now starting to think that, oh, maybe um, this is important is kind of uh, uh, absolutely ridiculous, but definitely, <laughs> I just talked a lot, but yes. <laughs> To no. answer your question, <laughs> yes, authenticity was important. That was a good answer. I mean, there's so many people in this town in particular who will put profit over people. It's it's so encouraging to hear stories like this of people in the industry who are coming together. And it shows that, you know, even if they don't care about us, we have to care about us. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 As, as a Black queer woman, yeah, I do you believe that it's maybe become... Well, things have changed recently, and I, I do think that there's avenues that are opening up to us that never existed before. Um, so do you think that some of those roadblocks have disappeared for, for you in, in some ways? Or has it made it easier to get culturally relevant projects seen? Um, I would caution from using the phrase easy. I think that um, 
I don't know how many of you guys like go on Twitter or read comments and things like that. But what I see a lot of is that just because people are starting to see maybe one or two or three characters that happen to be queer or black or whoever it is, uh, whatever the sort of marginalized identity is, uh, they get up in arms and feel like something is being taken from them. Like all of a sudden, uh, Every single thing that is being made is being targeted towards uh, uh, whoever it is. And I don't want to use the phrase easy because just because you like take Girl in the Woods, for instance, you have a show that has a lot of queer leads and you have one of the producers who happens to be black does not mean that it's still easy. It certainly is easier than what it used to be. But that does not mean that uh, this is happening nine times out of 10. Um, and it definitely doesn't mean that oh, it's no. happening uh, to match like the, the 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 communities that are out there. Like we still have a lot of work to do. And I do Absolutely. think that there's a lot of people who want to say, I've even come up on this where I had someone tell me one time, <laughs> not to knock the straight white guys, but we's about <laughs> to knock the straight white guys right now. Um, I had someone tell me like uh, that the reason like I got a promotion one time was because like, ooh, it's like really in to have like, you know, women, especially women of color in a position ignoring like the first eight years of my career not eight, but uh, maybe seven or so of my career where uh, that actually stopped me from getting jobs and people didn't want to have me uh, in, you know, working under them or in their offices because they felt uncomfortable having a black woman. Um, and all the times that projects were passed on before, it's like, yeah, we we have more visibility now, but we're n- nowhere near done. And it's still not like easy per se. And so it's really important that people understand that. Yeah, yeah. If if the podcast yeah, I, audience could see my face, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna say I've had like mm-hmm. people, you know, say just because I got I booked a couple of writing jobs, they were like, "Oh, you're." I mean, because it's you know what you are is so hot right now, and it's like that's another one. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We're trendy. We're we're the fad right now. We've always been in, and it's just the fact that I do believe even though the avenue has opened up, it doesn't mean that there wasn't an, a struggle to get there. Yeah. Um, so this is, basically this is the podcast where you can, I can ask you that question and you can express yourself and <laughs> tell me all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we good. <laughs> oh man, we'll see. I'll, I'll get comments in my own. Instagram. I was going to say. <laughs> well, we'd be right there defending this, so don't even worry. <laughs> You know, Twitter and Peacock hit us up like, what did you do? with like, <laughs> yeah, I got rid of Twitter. So like so long ago, Twitter is the devil. You know. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but uh, and luckily no, no one knows who I am. So uh, but we'll see who's who comes out of the woodworks to find me and be like, uh, what you said. I didn't like that. I'm, I'm always there's, curious. Yeah, there's always somebody out there ready to get annoyed about something. Yeah. So it's like, um, when I talk to other creative professionals, I'm always curious because given the, the roadblocks and given the things that we have to struggle against and also given the fact that there isn't a clear avenue to success, you know, like there isn't, um, there, you have to love something about your job more than you like crave stability, <laughs> you know? And so I'm curious, like what it is about your job, um, what, what it is about, about the, the kind of creative, the creative path that you've taken, um, 
as creative professionals, what, what is it, what is it that so appeals to you so much? Like what, cause it can be, feel so audacious to make and to be and to express and this, and, um, because there isn't, like I said, like the stability attached to it. I mean, I remember for a while I was like, I'm going to go to medical school. Cause I don't, I, at least I know that there's four years of medical school and then I've got a residency and then I could be a doctor when it came to being a poet or anything like that. There was no like two-step process, three-step, four-step process. And I knew what it was. So uh, if we can go from uh, Misha to Jasmine, like what is it about your job that appeals to you so much? Sure. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I think uh, every creative job is obviously difficult. And I do think that as, as a society, we like to point to actors when we go to the truly lack of stability, lack of sanity, lack of paycheck that is associated with acting, right? Um, so for me, it was... Not only did I luck out and also put in a lot of hard work to get some great gigs, right? But funnily enough, things like Girl in the Woods have really inspired me and this pandemic, quite frankly, to have when I'm to have the time to sit at home. Things like writing and producing, which I'm learning that I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm also lucky enough to start to like get some traction there. There's an agency element that really speaks to me. And I really enjoy that even there, if the stability is out the window, even if the paycheck is intermittent, if existent, um, that I have agency over the kind of career that I'm building, the stories that I'm telling, but also the life that I'm living. I I live with uh, one of my best friends and my co-writer right now, and we get up every morning and we get to work and we decide what kind of change we want to see in the world and what stories we want to tell. Um, I do things like this where I get to talk about a project that I'm so ridiculously passionate about because my non-binariness, my queer experience, and my love for horror are all being married in a series that I think will have a big social impact. These the the life is what I'm in it for. I'm in it for the ability to create a life that I'm proud of and not to get too deep into it. But um, as as a sober individual, as somebody who addiction is a very big part of my life, um, I actually have written on my phone, like on the background, um, I'm going to create a life that I am proud of as opposed to one that I want to escape from. Uh, that's kind, that's kind of my mantra to keep me, you know, on my sober path. And uh, that's this career is a big part of that. I'm really proud of what I'm building, what we are building with Crypt. And that that it's so gratifying that I get to be on that journey, even when it gets hard, even when it gets difficult. So that's me. Damn. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I obviously have had a different path and Misha, I've only ever had like full-time jobs at companies, but I will say that I don't ever you know if I felt like, like you said, that there was, that, that I knew sort of what path to take. Um, I certainly know what it's like to make no money. I'm my first job. I want to say I made like $400 a week. I don't even know if that's legal, uh, but it is <laughs> what it was. And because I came out here from, uh, the East coast, I'm from Maryland. I don't have any family. I don't have anything. I don't have any friends even that were a part of the business. And that can be really hard because so many people typically do when it's like, how do you, how do you work your way to what it is that you want to be. I didn't even know what it is that I wanted to be. I, I went to school and I studied film, but I didn't feel like being like a director or a writer was necessarily the right path for myself. So I came out here sort of a little bit 
wanderless and stumbled into the first job I could get. Made very little money. I live in a very expensive city. I uh, didn't have any family or anything out here. And for a long time, it was, to be blunt, horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was really, really not fun for a long time. Uh, And it was a struggle. But any time that I felt like I wanted to give up, and there were certainly plenty of times where I was like, I should. For, when I was younger, I, I thought maybe I wanted to be like a teacher. And then I realized that uh, I don't want to deal with kids or teenagers. So hey, that might hey, not be the But there was like in the back of my mind, like I would think like, oh, you you just made such a mistake. You you can still do it now. Go to school, go to school, get out before it's too late. But I had like such a deep desire to like create and uh, create content uh, that I would have loved to have seen when I was younger. And that never, ever left me. And it was enough to keep pushing me forward and just hoping and dreaming that at some point in time, the right opportunity was going to come along. And it really wasn't not to knock any of my other jobs because I learned a lot, but it wasn't until Crip that I finally got to a place where I was like, all right, I can see what's happening now. I can see what's happening. And I'm in a spot where I feel like I'm finally making a career and not like working a job. And it was uh, such a, a, a big and important revelation to me. And I've been at Crypt, it'll be four years in January. So this is fairly recent, um, but it really is just sort of holding internally onto the love and the dream I've always had of being able to create content that uh, I felt like I was missing when I was younger. And uh, that kept me going. And now I'm finally getting to do that. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I um, um, I grew up in Maryland when I was a kid too, in uh, Chesapeake Beach. Uh, and- I'm curious, Misha, uh, I'm going to say this, and I know that Dre is going to roll her eyes at me, but I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. I had the opportunity to make my acting debut recently, and I'm curious what? if there are, <laughs> with with you, with where you are now, looking back on when you started, are there like t- like words of advice that you would give yourself for being an actor, navigating the industry, and 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 your job now? Yeah, actually, I'm starting to crystallize that. I, you know, I, I think as actors, we often get some version of that question whenever it comes to press or even in informal settings. Um, I, I don't have any regrets. I'm one of those people. I'm like, I don't have any regrets. But um, when it comes to how I found acting, I, I started in stage, and stage is by nature pretty homogenous. Your your identity and your uniqueness are not celebrated for the most part. That's changing, thank God, especially on Broadway. But like, I did the Shakespeare festivals. I did, you know, an off Broadway show. Like, these are places where my gender identity, as it was developing at the time, was certainly not celebrated. And I categorically started to get more work, more auditions taken seriously by casting directors, even by agents and reps. When I, it's not just stop giving a fuck. I feel like that's really general advice. And of course, it's nice to say stop giving a fuck, but to stop trying to fit the fucking mold. I am not in the straight fucking mold. I'm not even in the gay mold. Like my, and the, the sooner that I started, whether it's the visual stuff, like doing my nails the way that I wanted to, or the more mannerism stuff of like letting myself express whatever femme or mask or in between like mannerisms that like actually come out of me, all of a sudden I'm a human in my auditions. All of a sudden I'm alive in an interview because 
I'm being myself and I'm honoring my legitimate identity that falls way the fuck outside of the the binary. Um, So that's the advice I would give is like, I wish I did that version of stop giving a fuck sooner Mm. because I think people would quite frankly just enjoy me more and want me in spaces more because I stopped apologizing for not being the cookie cutter musical theater guy, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a lot of grace then. And, and, that you have to give yourself. And also like, it's not, it's something that people can tell you and you don't, you can't, you, you don't really imbibe it until you know, you know what I mean? It's like, no. it's not something that you can really like, it, it can't, it, it, there's no shortcut to it. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, there's not, you're right. Yeah. Um, but I would like to, I wish there was, I wish I could just take a pill and be okay. But it's something that I think I have to like do the work to do every day. It's not just like something that I have learned and then it's like I've metabolized and it's all good. You know, there are like times when that saboteur can just really, and they, it knows you so well. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, because your saboteur knows you better than you know yourself. And I, I, I still experience that. There's even moments, you know, on set for Girl in the Woods, like every actor gets self-conscious because it's acting. Um, but the, the one thing that I will say was the incredibly positive side, like I said, about the safe set, but I still had to get up every day and remember like, okay, you are going to be really vulnerable right now because you're showing the inner workings of what it means to not know where you fall gender wise, uh, sexuality wise, personally. And that's why those scenes were both incredibly fun, but also incredibly hard. I, 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 I wish and hope and I'm very excited for the future of specifically acting because sure, it's the tokenizing version of trendy now. And we, we've talked about that on this podcast already, but I want to see queer actors, queer storytellers, queer writers permeate Hollywood in a meaningful way, in, an, in a saturated way, because then we will get to see the whole spectrum of queerness when it comes to storytelling and acting and TV and film and that I think is the next step. And I hope, and I believe actually, that when that happens, when we start to see a deep saturation of all kinds of queer content and actors, hopefully kids growing up will not have to have such a conversation with themselves because they're going to throw on Nickelodeon and mm-hmm. see a non-binary individual just being. And that right there is power. That's queer power. That's mental health in a nutshell when it comes to the entertainment industry. Well fucking Absolutely. said. Absolutely. Well fucking said. I have one. Was that real ketchup and mustard you were shooting into your mouth? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Awesome, the pilot. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, that was disgusting. <laughs> oh, don't I know it? Don't I know it? And I, I actually, I'm weird. Um, I don't like um, sauces, and con- sauces and condiments. I don't like them in my life. So when, <laughs> when that happened, because obviously you only get one or two takes with like something as messy as that. I got the two bottles in my hand. I looked Kristen dead in the eye and it was the, I'm going to do this once for you and I'm going to do it big. <laughs> and then we're done. <laughs> because, <laughs> that I, was I amazing. Not. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to finish off this interview um, with a little fun in games. We thought we'd do a fuck, marry, kill horror icons edition. And, you know, 
if even if you if you if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sure you know the character. Um, so we'll see. You okay, say we'll, see, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So fuck Mary Kill, Freddie from Nightmare on Elm Street, Pinhead from the Hellraiser series, or Carrie from Carrie. Oh. Yeah. Um. um okay. 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 I'll, I'll go first. Um. Fuck. Carrie, absolutely. Like that's just, there's just, there's just a sex appeal to being like a deathly prom queen. Um, uh, let's see, Mary, um, namely because what is it, Pinhead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> namely because I'm only vaguely familiar with that character. Um, so I, I'm gonna go ahead and kill that character out of like fear of the unknown. Okay, um, okay, but, but legit, Mary, but Mary, Mary, Freddy, Mary, Freddy, because the ability, like the idea of a superpower that it, that allows me to go inside people's dreams, sounds hot, and I feel like as a spouse, I would maybe like inherit. <laughs> <laughs> that, those are my answers. That's very good. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Okay. Um, I we'll too that. am going to kill Pinhead. Also, because I think I've only seen the first Hellraiser and I wasn't like super impressed. Um, and I don't like the way that uh, Pinhead looks. I don't want to look at that. So we're going to kill Pinhead. I think I'm going to do the reverse. I'm going to marry Carrie, I think that Carrie would be completely different if uh, she had been shown some kindness in her life. And those abilities are on point. So we're going to marry Carrie and then I'm going to fuck Freddy Krueger because <laughs> <laughs> like, um, why not? Uh, but also he scares me and I don't want to have to have that in my <laughs> life forever. So <laughs> Carrie and I will make a beautiful, beautiful partnership. There's, there's a... I'm sure there's a kink aspect to what this fucking dream demon can do at night. So, like, I think we... <laughs> Whether... What, I think I think Freddy is a chaotic verse, like, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's honestly... That's probably accurate. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, fuck, Mary kill, Scream Queens edition. Uh, so Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode in the Halloween series. Jada, Pink- Jada Pinkett Smith as Gerald Lynn in Demon Knight or Tommy. Uh, Nev Campbell as Sydney in the Scream series. Hmm. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know Demon Knight. Am I like, is that? I, I don't know. Oh, you, do I need, I need to see Demon Knight? I'm yeah. Saying, that, it's the it, first it, Tales from the Crypt movie and, and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is like one of the first uh, black screen queens in it. Great. Came out in the early 90s, yeah. So that's very exciting to me. And I will say that purely because Jada Pinkett Smith, I'm going to fuck her in that one. Um, (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I'm excited about the prospect. It's like a blind date. Um, (laughs) um, Marry Jamie Lee Curtis because this is me taking it weirdly meta, but if that career can last that long singing that one note, then I'm, then I'm going to marry that because that seems like a long, if not a happy, at least profitable marriage. Um, and then, and then, um, how do you say, I never know how to say her. Nev, Neve, Nev. Nev. I think it's Nev, Nev. but whatever. Yeah. Ne- Nev is, I'm going to kind of like, passionately maybe like with like some poison that like doesn't like hurt too much kill her because the other because the other two options were better that's sweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i haven't seen demon knight either but i just 
cannot in good conscience kill um, Jada Pinkett. Never, no. ever would no. I do that. Um, so I think that I'm going to also kill Nev just because Sydney Prescott has been a minute since I've seen the movie, but I remember being annoyed by her. So let's kill her in the most polite way that would not <laughs> make Y'all are my so nice. Mother, uh, <laughs> upset. Um, and then I want to say that I will, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to marry Jada Pinkett just for what she represents. And mm-hmm. I will fuck uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um. (laughs) polite kills polite kills (laughs) that is going to be the sub headline of this episode polite kills kills. (laughs) Uh, Dre do you want to take the third one okay fuck Mary kill iconic destinations okay and live in get away to demolish so the murder house from American Horror Story the Overlook Hotel and The Shining or Camp Crystal Lake from Friday the 13th. Lit. Okay, I can so take So you could this. live in, get away to, or demolish. Live in, get away to, or demolish. Demolish, for me, um, demolish um, the camp. Because, you know, as somebody, I went to, I went to some crazy, like, rehab programs in the Utah desert. So, like, I'm just not trying to go back to any sort of summer camp. So we can demolish that one. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Let me think. Um, I, I have to have, like passionate sex in AHS murder, ha- murder house. Like that was, that was one of actually my first exposures to horror as an adult. Um, and it was so life-changing for me to see murder house. So just like passionate, like ongoing sex in the murder house. And then what's my last one? Live in with at the, the, the overlook hotel and the shining. Live in the Overlook Hotel. Honestly, I like being bougie and fancy, so that kind of tracks for me. Um, <laughs> and haunted. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. And, and you, Jasmine? Uh, <laughs> my, my, my brain is not functioning. Wait. It's live in, demolish, and have sex in. Get away to. Get away to. Yeah. Oh, oh, Misha oh, turned it. I fucked up. Misha turned it into have sex I got, in. I'm sorry. I got so <laughs> It worked. Off. I did. I got so turned on by the murder house that everything went to shit. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm going to demolish uh, the I'm going to get away to Camp Crystal Lake. Um, I really feel like they could have survived that. I think there was a lot of dumb decisions made that I I feel like uh I wouldn't make those. And it's, I have not had the same experiences with camp that Misha did. In fact, I have uh, had wonderful memories around summer camp. So I'm going to get away to Camp Crystal Lake. I am going to live in the murder house, American Horror Story, season one and two, on point. Mm. On point. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that murder house, I feel like it's like a party every day. There was like so many different people. <laughs> <laughs> so many different it's people. True. Plus, I know they're ghosts, but like there's something that's sort of a little bit beautiful about all of them getting to be together as a family. Am I misremembering that? Did mm-hmm. I just like no, put no, no, like that ending? No, you're no, right. You're right. That's you're right. right. So yeah. I'll get to live in internal happiness with my girlfriend who I'll bring along. She may think that that's a nightmare, but I think that it's beautiful. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then that obviously leaves uh, the Shining Hotel to be demolished as it should be. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine <laughs> and Misha, for joining us. Yeah. Do you want to shout out your social media handles or something that you want us to take a look at? 
Uh, sure. The, I, I'm at Misha Oshirovich on all platforms. It's Social media is fake, but I try to put real love into it. So go do that. <laughs> like that. Um, I'm at Jazz Face Killa. It's J A Z Z Face Killa on, yeah, Instagram and Twitter. I do not get on social media all that much, but please, like, give me a shout. Tell me what you thought about the show. Yell at me if you want to, but uh, I stand by <laughs> everything not. I said. <laughs> you can As she you. should. You're not going to change my mind. um, (laughs) if you come to this plot platform you come to the wrong platform so that's a preferably give me a shout let me know you watch the show and what you thought about it i can't wait to watch the back half we only got the first five uh for the screeners so and five was a very intense episode and i'm just five starts getting into it is very intense so i i'm just like like gripping the edge of my wing back like Wait, I want to watch the next one. And like, oh, shit. (laughs) October 21st. It's a Thursday. Peacock, you can watch it. You don't even have to pay. But if you don't pay, then you won't get to watch them all like the rest of us will. It's not that much money. But regardless, you can check it out October 21st on Peacock. Please do. We're very proud of you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.